Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. This month on the Power Alley podcast, we'll look back at the month of July, where the Bisons went an even 14-14 and 14 and bring you some of the highlights that included a big Independence Eve celebration before the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. Also a big home run by Rowdy Telez, and the Bisons putting up big offensive numbers once again, using the long ball to their advantage, helping try and keep pace in the International League's Northern Division. At the time we record this podcast, the Buffalo Bisons are five games back of scranton Wilkesbury. 21 games to play for Buffalo as they head down the stretch run of the 2019 season, which include the final four games of the regular season taking place at PNC Field against scranton Wilkesbury. So the Bisons and Rail Riders could have first place and a berth in the 2019 Governor's Cup playoffs on the line if Buffalo can stay within four games of the AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees heading into Labor Day weekend. Coming up later on the Power Alley, in addition to a look back at July, we'll check in with Sean Morimondo as the Bison left-hander has a unique story about his Major League debut, and I had fun talking to Sean about that. But first, it's the Director of Player Development for the Toronto Blue Jays, Gil Kim. I had a chance to catch up with Gil when the Bisons were down in Charlotte late in July, right before Bo Bichette was promoted to the big leagues. And I had a chance to have a wide-ranging conversation with Gil to discuss many topics throughout the Blue Jays' organizational system. You see a guy like Jonathan Davis go full speed in the wall last night. I mean, what are your first thoughts as, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Davis, the player, and then, you know, just how he plays the game? Sure, you're, you're, always, you're always expecting to see uh, full, full hustle, full effort from, from players, and, and that's definitely not any different with JD. JD's always approached defense like that, and, and I think a lot of the plays that, that we've seen him make, both in the big leagues and in the minor leagues, some of those spectacular plays, it's a result of, of, of his, his competitive fire to chase everything down and help, help his pitcher and help his team. So it's, it's been a pleasure to watch him play defense. Obviously, you're always thinking about um, player health and, and all that, but at the end of the day, um, he's, he's helping a team win, and that's great to see. Is that one of the things that separates him from maybe other players, is just that giving up of himself so much to, to help the team? Sure. JD's, uh, he usually approaches defense with a, a selfless mindset, and, and we'd like to think that a lot of our players are selfless, and, and that's contributed to some of the success here. Gil Kim joins us here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball. In your job in player development, are you part sports psychologist in, in dealing with players at times and sort of in your travels talking to guys and, and sort of getting to know them a little bit better? I think the responsibility that we all have, anybody in player development or high performance, whether it's myself or our coordinators, our managers, affiliate staff, everybody, everybody's responsibility is to, to get to know each and every person you know as, as a person not just as a player um, so there there are many hats uh, that all of us probably wear from time to time as far as how can we best get to know that person how can we best establish those relationships that then lead to trust that then lead to um, getting better every day so um, so sure there's times where where we all have to wear those hats and how about uh, Doug Mathis joining this coaching staff this year? Your interactions with Doug and maybe some of the elements that he's brought as a younger guy, as a pitching coacher in AAA. We're very fortunate to have Doug here working with us and helping our pitchers. Um, Doug's background, you know, pitching at a, a major a major school at, at, at Missouri and then um, going through the minor leagues, becoming a big leaguer, um, pitching in, in, in foreign countries. Um, 
it, it's been cool to to lean on his experiences. Um, he connects well with players, I think, because of how many ex- different experiences he's had. Um, and, and we're really fortunate. He's someone who combines knowledge and experience in the game with um, with, with a passion and an interest in leveraging the new uh, the new data and technology. Um, and, and those are areas that we we've definitely seen. Um, we, we've seen we've seen encouraging signs so far with our pitching, especially with our relievers here, um, and, uh, and and having Doug around is, is just uh, it's a, it's a it's a nice nice addition to the player development department. I guess maybe a good example of that is someone like Zach Jackson, young pitcher who had success at Double A last year, struggled the first part of this year, but worked with Doug, worked you know worked on on the outside on, on sides and things like that, and, and the results are there now. Yeah, with Zach, Zach's somebody who's very, uh, he's, he's got a very analytical mind and, and he, he likes, he, he really enjoys looking at uh, data and information and, uh, you know, he's, he has tremendous resources in the offseason at University of Arkansas and, um, and Zach's somebody who's always identified that, you know, controlling the strike zone a little bit better could be the key and, and that's exactly what he's done specifically in the last 30 days or so and so we're, we're, we're very excited. Gil Kim joins us here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball as Buffalo gets set to finish out with Charlotte tonight. Earlier this season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was on this team, so was Kevin Biggio. Now, Bo Bichette is still with the herd after that uh, broken hand that set him back seven weeks. What are the conversations like with top prospects in, you know, the, the reports you get, the, the things you want to maybe see so that they're ready for the next level? Yeah, there there are a lot of variables that that we look at when we're determining, you know, a player's readiness for the next level, and and that's not just the jump from AAA to the big leagues. That's the jump from Lansing to Dunedin. It's from Bluefield to Vancouver sometimes, and um, and conversations like that are, are, are always, you know, revolving around what what is best for the player, what is best for the player's future success. Um, as hopefully a 20-year plus major leaguer, as hopefully a, a, an all-star and, and a Hall of Fame career. So um, it's it's part it's part work ethic, part approach to um, routines, um, part performance, part handling yourself on and off the field. So there are a lot of variables, and, and we we've been we've been very encouraged with with a lot of the players that, that we have here, and and how many strides they're they're making in those areas. One thing that struck me about this team is, uh, to a man, each player has said that this clubhouse is a lot of fun. Everyone holds each yeah. other accountable, but they, they know how to you know work together. How do you add pieces like Jordan Patterson or Patrick Kivlihan, guys that are from outside the organization, in Kivlihan's case, you know, mid-season acquisition, to sort of fit them into the right spots? Well, it, it begins with having enough uh, core pieces to begin with um, to be able to drive that culture. So. Um, while we did make some additions during the season, we'd like to think that, you know, during the off season or during the middle of the season, the, the core group here, that's kind of driven. My impression is the core group of players that, that, that have driven that atmosphere and, and, and that vibe that everybody's talking about. Um, it, it, it starts with them and it starts with them welcoming those newer players in and, and, Luckily, our you know our, our pro scouting department uh, you know make up and and compete and teammate are, are definitely areas that we value and that we look at as we're acquiring players. There, there are specific areas that you know we believed in with with specifically Jordan and, and Pat. Um, 
So it, it has been encouraging and nice to see. My thanks to Gil Kim for that conversation, and I look forward to checking in with the Director of Player Development for the Toronto Blue Jays again very soon. We'll hear from Sean Morimondo coming up in a moment, but first, it's a look back at the month of July, where the Bisons played 28 games overall in the month, going 14-14, and 14, and the month did not start off on the greatest note. The Bisons dropped the opening game of the month when they hosted Lehigh Valley for a three-game series leading into Independence Eve. The Bisons would be postponed on July the 2nd, forcing the Herd and the Iron Pigs to play two on July the 3rd. The Bisons would split the Independence Eve celebration before the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra took over, and then Buffalo went out on the road for a four-game series in Syracuse heading into the All-Star break. It did not start off smoothly as the Bisons dropped the opening game to Syracuse 7-5, but then rattled off three straight wins against the Syracuse Mets to close out their final series in the Salt City this season on a winning note. Buffalo would head into the All-Star break on a 10-5 victory, out of the All-Star break, they would head to Pawtucket and win the first two games as well. Of Buffalo's 14 wins in the month of July, five of them came between the final three prior to the All-Star break and the first two following. We jump ahead as the Bisons would head home following the five-game series in Pawtucket played over four days. The Bisons returned home to take on the Charlotte Knights and Columbus Clippers for the first time in 2019 respectively. The Bisons would split the four-game series with Charlotte, losing the first and finale of the series, winning the middle two games over the AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. Then Columbus came to town for a weekend series, three games against Buffalo, and the Bisons in the opening game of the series would pick up a big victory with one of the longest and loudest home runs in the modern era at Salem Field. Rowdy Telez, down from the big leagues, provided the dramatics for the herd. As Telez drills one to right. Forget about it. A three-run homer by Rowdy Telez. Over Bully Hill. Hello. 6-3 Hurd. Get the paint can out. Get the spray paint out. You better mark that one. Unloaded it. A three-run homer by Rowdy Telez would give Buffalo the 6-3 win, the only victory of the three games against the AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. The Bisons would go 1-2 and two against Columbus. Overall, 3-4 and four on the seven-game homestand. But Buffalo would head out on the road once again, down for their lone trip to Uptown Charlotte and Durham, North Carolina, as the Bisons started off the series with a bang. As the Herd, behind a strong starting effort by Thomas Pannone, would collect seven home runs on their way to an 8-1 win over the Knights. Nicolino's 1-2 pitch is hitting the air down left, well out of the ballpark. That's a solo home run off the bat of Bo Bichette as he hooked it just around the pole. It had plenty of distance going on the grassy berm, and it's 1-0 Buffalo. Nicolino's 1-1 toss is hit towards straightaway center field. Going back is Tilson in front of the wall, looks up, home run. Back-to-back -back home runs as the ball was continuing to rise towards the batter's eye. Socrates Brito, a solo homer, makes it 2-0 Buffalo. 1-2 toss, in the air out towards left field. This is trouble. Scavuzzo looks up, home run. A two-run shot off the bat of Jonathan Davis to left. The Bisons teeing off on the Knights in the first. It's 4-0. Overshift on with Mendick in shallow right. First pitch is hit in the air towards right center field. Going back is Tilson. That's a home run. Towards right center. It clears the wall for the second homer for Telez. And now it's 5-1 Buffalo in the third. As the 1-0. Oh, my goodness. Another one for Davis. This one a mild to left field, 
way over the party deck, high up on the berm. Davis, home runs in his first two at-bats, his eighth and ninth on the season, and the Bisons lead at 6-1 here in the fourth. Oh, my goodness. As Brito drills one out toward right field, this one is deep, and that ball is gone. Brito with his second of the ball game. And the sixth for the herd tonight. A line drive to right field, just a question of whether it was going to be high enough. It was. And the Bisons tack another one on. It is 7-1 Buffalo, another BJ's Wholesale Club home run. As Telez drives one high and deep to right center field. Tilson to the wall. Get out of here, baseball. Rowdy Telez with his second home run of the game. The Bisons winning the home run derby contest, 7-1 here. Wow, another bomb off the bat of Rowdy Telez. And the Bisons are just raking Justin Nicolino over the coals here in the fifth. Wow. The Herd would pick up a victory the next night as well, 6-3 over Charlotte, dropping the finale of the series and the first two games against the Durham Bulls. But Buffalo on getaway day, Sunday the 28th of July, would pick up a 4-0 shutout victory over Durham. It would be Buffalo's fifth shutout win of the season. The Bisons would then return home for a quick two-game series, then back out on the road, closing up the month of July. The Bisons would go 1-1 one one against Rochester, splitting their two-game series against the Red Wings in the first visit of the season to downtown Buffalo for Rochester. And then Buffalo went out on the road, dropping the last game of July to Lehigh Valley by a score of 11-7. So the Bisons would finish up the month of July 14-14. Now the stretch run continues for Buffalo with 21 games left in the regular season. How will it finish out? You can find out by visiting the ballpark and seeing one of our great promotions as the Bisons have 13 home games left in the 2019 season. Head over to Bisons.com today and pick out which dates you want to see the herd before the end of the 2019 season. Now it's time for my conversation with left-hander Sean Morimondo. Currently on the injured list for Buffalo, Morimondo is putting together a very nice season, and as he tells us, it was a change made early in the season that helped with his success. I know the All-Star break for a lot of guys is a nice chance to have a rest, but with all the time off you had in June, did the All-Star break kind of come at the wrong time? No. I mean, honestly, I think it came at the right time. You know, it, it helped us get a little breather. You know, we've been, been playing a lot of really good baseball, you know, and I think, the, I think that little break came at the perfect time to, get, to just catch our breath a little bit and to get ready for the second half. For yourself personally, you, you pitched uh, right before the All-Star break, pitched again last night. How do you feel that coming off the injured list, your, your stuff has kind of been? Um, I think it's actually been a lot better um, since I came off of it. You know, I'm still uh, progressing and doing uh, everything they want me to do. And the pitch count wise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still working my way come back up to that 100, you know, where, I, where the reins are off. But uh, right now, you know, I'm just continuing the process of it. You know, and trusting my stuff. You know, my arm feels great. My body feels great. So that's all I can really, you know, it's a blessing, you know. Mm -hmm. Every day I'm out here, I feel great. So I'm just rolling off of that. How do you feel this season overall when you look back to the start of the year in April to now? You feel maybe you've pitched, and is there a spot where you felt maybe you've pitched better than other points? That's a good question. Um, This year's a little different, you know, for me personally. And, uh, you know, I made a lot of adjustments the first month, you know, and I've changed a lot of things. Um, and obviously, you know, the numbers 
who they are what they are. Um, but as of late, you know, I feel like everything I've been working on the first month, the second month, you know, it's really starting to take, take the whole shape, the whole shape, and and take form. And I'm, you know, I'm getting the results now that I want that I've been working for. Um, so I've made a lot of adjustments. You know, so it's a little different of a of the first half for me personally. Um, I've changed a lot of things I used to do in the past, um, but it's all for the better. You know, working with Doug every day and talking with him and getting insight from him has been a tremendous, like, I'm just so appreciative of him and, and his expertise to really help me take the next step in my career, you know? It made me the most efficient pitcher that I can, that I know I can be, and with his guidance, it's really been awesome. What are the type of adjustments you made from, from the start of the year to now? So one thing I was, I'm athletic, but I wasn't really translating that onto the mound. I was kind of like, kind of robotic, kind of stiff. Um, so we worked on that, you know, keep, keep getting my athletic ability to translate on the mound um, and do things with different adjustments and changing my delivery up a little bit, really working on my lower half and kind of getting into my backside of my hips. You know, I, I, I throw all two seams now, you know, and four seams up. And I've really thrown any two seams until this year. So um, and I developed a cutter this year. I, probably a couple months ago, it's been now. I changed my change-up grip. I don't throw a slider anymore. Um, so kind of just kind of looking at the data, the track man, the rap soda, the, and the information that I was getting and how my pitches play compared to major leaguers and trying to just really put it all together, you know, and, and not have any loose ends. So everything was, so everything now is like, it's coming off the same, it's blending better, it's better mixed for me personally as a pitcher out there and competing and just giving myself more chances to miss barrels, you know, create different angles, cut different looks against hitters. And that's what we've been doing this, um, a lot in the first month, a month and a half, and trying to get stretched out because I was a reliever in big league camp. Um, so it was really like, I was a little behind, but you know, now where I'm at right now, everything is there, everything's together. And now it's just refining things, holding on to different feelings, um, and just continuing to learn on how my stuff, how it plays against a hitter, and what type of hitters I can do this to. Or, so it's just, Right now, it's just, I'm in a really good place right now. Sounds like you're a brand new pitcher from the start of the year. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, like, if you look back at the old me and the new me, I honestly, I like, I love the new me. You know, I think my stuff plays a lot better now than it did before. You know, I mean, and a lot of credit to Doug because he's been by my side and, and really helped me take that next leap, you know. And so I'm really excited about from here on out, you know, to see how it works. How do you feel you maybe grew from what happened last year where you're dealing with injury and then coming to a new organization mid-year? That has to be quite an adjustment. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing, it's it's just another perspective of the game, you know, under knowing the situation that I was dealing with, kind of the cards I was, I was dealt, um, but just understanding the process and not let it beat you, um, but also know that, like, I believe in myself. At the end of the day, I believe in who I am as a pitcher, as a teammate, as a person. And it was just another, another, I would say another step 
cut in my journey, you know what I mean? I've been around for a little bit, but I'm still, like, learning every day and every year, no matter the situation, injury, non-injured, cut the and also like the business side of baseball, you know? And once you kind of can wrap your head around it and understand it, know where you are, but also continue to believe in yourself and no matter where it takes you, I just know I'm putting my best foot forward. Sean Morimondo joins us here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball. You and I talked last year about your Major League debut yeah. and, and all that craziness that, that went around that. Can you take the, the folks listening into that whole crazy kind of couple of days when you were set to make your AAA debut? Instead, you're in Toronto against the Jays. Yeah, so so we were in, um, at the time, 2016, I was in AA with the Akron Rubber Ducks. And I think we were in Erie. Um, and they called me in the morning and said, hey, congratulations, you made the all-star team. I was like, cool, you know, that's awesome, I appreciate it. And then a few minutes later, like, hey, actually change our plans. We're actually gonna start in Pawtucket for Columbus on Saturdays. So come to the field, come get your work in, and then we have, uh, we'll have like your itinerary, your flights and stuff. So okay, awesome. So the next day, the next morning, that Friday, I hop on a flight um, and I head to Pawtucket. I meet with the team up there. I go through my normal day routine, my pre-day uh, pitch routine. And we're in the clubhouse in Pawtucket and we're actually we're watching the, the Indians and Blue Jays game and they're in extra innings. And my buddy, uh, Sean Armstrong, he was my locker mate at the time. He looked at me, he was like, he was like hey man, Trevor Bauer just went to the bullpen. Like, if he goes in, you're going up because, because you're the only arm on the on the roster. Like, I was like, nah, man, it's not gonna happen. But then, like, it kind of took form, and then our trainer was kind of looking at me, staring at me. They called me in the office. We're like, hey, we want to update you on some new signs we have here. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I left the left the office, and they they're looking at me again, like before the game started and and uh, they call me back in and they're like hey so where's your passport at and I was like um I was like uh it's actually in Akron it's in my apartment because we were heading to Richmond so I kind of just unpacked my things and kind of just I was geek I got ready for the Richmond trip and they're like well is there anyone that can that can get it because you're going up I was like I was like oh I was like yeah my keys are actually in my they're in my locker and the clubhouse manager had I could tell him where my apartment is exactly where it is in my nightstand so okay cool I'll call you back in here in a few minutes they're like hey you got 15 minutes to get dressed and packed we'll get you on a flight to Boston to go back to Cleveland an intern's gonna, he's gonna drive from Cleveland to Akron to get your passport and he's gonna drop it off to you at the airport when you land and you're gonna you're going to catch a flight the next morning to Toronto on Saturday because it's a 1 o'clock game. I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, let's do it. You know, so I hurried up. I got changed. Went to the, went to the airport. There was a small delay. I didn't land in Cleveland until, like, midnight, 1230. I got my passport. Uh, went to the airport hotel. And I had to hop on the shuttle at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning because there's a lot of delays, and I didn't want to miss the flight, obviously, because I had a 6 a.m. flight to Toronto. And so I didn't really sleep. I mean, I, I had all these emotions going on, adrenaline. Like, I set, like, three alarms. I didn't want to miss, like, I had a couple hours of sleep. Did not want to miss my alarm. Did not want to oversleep. I'm excited. I hop on the 
because I finally get to Toronto around like 8.30 in the morning, 8.39 in the morning. I go straight to this, cover this, over to the ballpark. Um, I'm trying to get in. They're like, hey, do you have your, your player ID? I was like, no, but I'm like, I'm I'm pitching as I called up. So they called down and they finally, I was able to get in there. Um, and I sat down with Tito. He said, hey, we're gonna let you wake up a little bit. It's been a little hectic, a little travel for you. It's a one o'clock game. We have McAllister, he's gonna start. Um, then you're gonna come in after him and, and get and have some clean innings. And I was like, I'm, I'm my adrenaline and emotions of your debut in Toronto. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, I couldn't be more appreciative of the opportunity I had. And just, just the moment, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of late, late notice. My family didn't have their passports at the time. Um, now they do, so they're ready. Um, so it just kind of took a, I'm in the, I'm in the bullpen, I'm trying to do my, my normal routine. I haven't been a reliever before. I've always been a starter, so I'm warming up, throwing a lot of pitches, and uh, and Jabba, he walks over to me, hands me some water, and he's like, hey kid, breathe. Breathe, it's gonna be okay, just breathe. So it's like the third inning. They're like, come on, Mondo, you're in there. And, and that was a clock too, so like that run cut from the bullpen to the mound. You know, yeah, I kind of hit like a little, little nice little jog, you know. They're like, hey, hurry up. You only have two minutes. <laughs> so I finally get out there. And, you know, I, obviously it's a, it's a, such a surreal moment. I mean, you really, you, you try to take it in and just focus on pitching. But, like, you're, like the, it's like an outer body experience. Like you don't really feel your legs. Like, like your heart rate spiked. Your adrenaline's going. You're just like, whoa, it, it's happening. I'm really here. Um, and I was, I was able to manage to get through a few innings um, and just try to compete to what I had that day. And uh, it was an awesome moment. I'll never forget it. I'm glad it all worked out. Thanks for your time today, Sean, and could you success on the mound. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks once again to Sean for joining us here on the Power Alley and hopes for a speedy recovery that he can rejoin the Bisons before the end of the 2019 season. That's going to do it for this edition of the Power Alley. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check back in with you next once the regular season ends with the September edition of the Power Alley podcast. For now, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. We'll talk to you next time.